It's funny how money changes situation. Miscommunication lead to complication. My emancipation don't fit your equation. I was on the humble you on every station. Someone play young Lauren like she done. But remember not to game the one of the sun. Everything you did has already been done. I know all the tricks from bricks to kingstown. My ting done major king done one wrong. Now understand El Boogie not violent. That was a snippet of Lost Ones by Lauren Hill. I am Stacy, And I am Adiwa. Welcome to our podcast, A Seat at Our Table, Present and Bowling. This week, um, I'm going to give you um, five ways to practice mindfulness right now as your cognitive reframe. So I know this is a stressful time for a lot of people, especially with, you know, businesses opening back, back up and people having to go back into the office because you ain't seen these motherfuckers in a couple of in a couple of years, and you like now nah, I gotta sit across you every single day, and my nerves is bad. So I'm gonna give you all some mindfulness tips that y'all can do. So if you're feeling overwhelmed or you're not aware of your um, negative responses at work, you can um, one stop what you're doing and take a deep breath. Like as we practice here, we do the deep breathing. So stop what you're doing, take a deep breath. Two, put your phone down. I know a lot of times we can walk around with our phone in our hands and um, that can keep us distracted. But if you want to be present and be mindful in the moment, stop and put your phone down. Number three, do one thing at a time. I know humans are notorious, especially women for multitasking, but it's really important when you're doing a mindfulness technique to do one thing at a time. And four, find mindful moments in every single day's task. So um, something that I do is I try to reward myself and give myself gratification when I do like an hour of productivity. I'll give myself five to 10 minutes of mindfulness or relaxation. So make sure that you're introducing mindfulness moments within um, your entire day's routine. And five, notice the moves that you already make that might be mindful. So notice if you're already doing deep breathing, notice if you're you know taking walks outside and enjoying outside, continue to do those things because that will keep you motivated and moving or productively throughout your day and it'll help keep you from burning out and getting overwhelmed and cussing one of those people out at your job. All right, so that wraps up the cognitive reframe for this week. I hope that helps everybody. And let's get into this week's isms. Stacey, what's yours? So my ism for this week is, you know how when you're in an aisle somewhere out and about and you have it all to yourself because you want aisle to yourself so you can you know mosey down and take your time and stretch out when you're shopping mm-hmm. as soon as you walk down that aisle five other people want to walk down that aisle and I always find myself saying y'all know y'all don't want nothing from down here so why are you here and then they'll just walk and exit on the other end I'm just like, what was the point of that did you just come down here because I was here and you wanted to irritate me um so yeah that's that's my ism people walking down aisles when I'm trying to be alone in a public place. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's it. I can understand what you're saying. Like, I get perturbed when I'm like standing somewhere. Like if I'm at the store, which like doesn't happen very often. But if I'm at the store and I'm standing by something and like somebody comes and stands like right next to me and I'm like, so... Do you also need the pepper? Like, cause 
we can't both buy this one. <laughs> so how about you move the fuck on? Like, and you can come back to this. And like, I, maybe that's a me thing. Because when I see other people like gathering in a section, I'll be like, okay, note to self, come back to this aisle because it's too clustered. Even if there's like one, like two people down there, I'm like, nope, too many people for me. Mm-hmm. So I'll come back. But like other people just be all up on you, like, I can't let's throw it together. And I'm like, excuse me, <laughs> do you mind? Ugh. Or like, even when I'm trying to check out and like, I'm in front of the little pay thing and people be like right there. And I'm like, so am I paying you? Am I paying half and you're paying half? Yo, <laughs> that happened to me last week or something. And I was like, so irritated. Well, I didn't yeah. say anything. And I, sh- I got in the car and like, I should have said something to him. Um, and I know he didn't do it on purpose. I could, I could tell he was just like in his own little world. And I'm just like, what the, what the heck? So yeah, I get it. I, I can, I, I, I feel your pain on that one. That irks me. Because like sometimes I just like, I'll back up and I'll put my person, my, my wallet in my person. I'll be like, so are you, you got this? I did that one time and this guy actually paid for my salmon. My salmon was like $45. Because I had bought like a whole lot to be smoked. And I was like, are you paying for this? And he's like, oh, I got it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I was like, I have a husband, but you can, you can pay for it. Okay. <laughs> Both, thank you. (laughs) And I made sure to let my husband know I was like, a man blessed us with this salmon today. Hallelujah. (laughs) But that happened one time where I had somebody else actually pay for it. But I was like, can you back the hell? Like, I I cannot stand. Give me personal space, not just because it's COVID, but because my personal space is mine. It is my safety place. It's my bubble, and you're not allowed to be in it. What's that song? Bag, bag. Give me 50 feet. Like, back. The fuck up. Anyway, yeah. When you said walking down your own aisle, I understood that absolutely. Because I just wish that people would see me coming and they go in the opposite direction sometimes. Like this aisle's taken. <laughs> <laughs> like when you walk down the aisle, you should be able to press a button at either end that shuts it off so nobody else can come down it see that would be so horrible <laughs> well i mean you can't spend like ever down there we're like golly i can't shop today <laughs> Order <Right up>. <laughs> 25 people in the store at a time that's it oh, um so my ism is that no matter how much money i have or how little money i have I always really enjoy a good black beans and rice meal. I don't know what it is about some good old black beans and rice. Mm. Like some canned black beans and some jasmine white rice. And I will season that bad boy up and destroy it like it is a gourmet meal. It's delicious to me. And I remember when I lived in California, I lived with this um, Peruvian woman and she was like, oh, this is like what we used to eat for dinner sometimes, like back home. And I was just like, my mama never fed us just beans and rice when I was growing up. Like, you know, that wasn't our situation, praise God. But there were some times when I was in college and I didn't have but two pennies to rub together. And I used to get them beans and rice and I used to hold me over. But that was, I mean, that was a good time. And I would fix it up and put it real pretty on my plate. I put some parsley on top. 
man, it's like the other day, pregnancy craving kicked in and I made some beans and rice and my husband was like, I can go get you something like if you're hungry. And I was like, no, this is what I want. Like I was craving this specifically. He was like, are you sure? Like stuff is open. Like I can, <laughs> I can go buy you a meal. No, this is perfect. And I enjoyed it and it was delicious. And my kid likes it too. So that you made me happy. Together, right? Huh? And you mix them together? Of course, because that's how they go. Just asking for a friend. <laughs> Whatever. They go together. So I mix them together. But yeah. Uh, um, I put a little booyah cube in there to, to trick myself that there's some meat. Oh, so good. I'll tell y'all all my tricks and stuff, but all you need to know that it's the bomb diggity. I used to live um, in the neighborhood with two, um, with um, a Hispanic and or Latina family. Mm-hmm. And the two little girls, like I would play with them. Um, dang, I forgot their names. Um, we would always be outside playing, riding bikes and that whatnot. And mm-hmm. sometimes they would be out like really, really sad, like super sad. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, what's wrong? And they're crying. And they were like, all we ever eat is rice and beans. it wasn't like they had to but that's all their mother would cook like they would eat Mm -hmm. breakfast lunch and dinner rice and beans that's all they ever ate and they would be out crying we always eat rice and beans we're tired of eating that and i was like oh my gosh and i went and told my mom like mom all they eat is rice and beans Like, I was a little kid. like when I was my homegirl was in uh, Peru, she's like, that's what they ate for like meals was rice and beans. Like that's what they could afford. And I was like, I mean, I guess you take certain things for granted. I mean, America's a first world country. You know, we take things for granted being able to eat like different things every day. Um, or what have well most for you know, majority of people being able to do that. But like I said, that that, that rice and beans be hidden. But if I had to eat it every day, I probably would be sad too. The name is on the tip of my tongue. And I'm like, you don't eat anything else? Like, you gotta have other food. It's like, no, it's all we eat. And I don't think they could, I don't think the problem is they couldn't afford. That's mm-hmm. all. That's just, I think maybe it was like the tradition. Probably, or like what she grew up on. So that's what she made for her kids. And wanted them to appreciate, like, this is this is how I live and I want you to be like an appreciative human being when you get older that you know shoot sometimes humble so it was a humble meal if you will mm-hmm. it'll show it it'll show humble your ass down Meanwhile, I'm telling you collard greens and and whatever my mother cooked because she cooked 99.9% of the time every single night Same. Um, Same. we had a whole meal homemade biscuits mm-hmm. um, meat vegetable obviously that I was forced to eat (laughs) (laughs) there's all kinds of like variety of food and that was Mm -hmm. throughout the day even for breakfast she would cook breakfast um and I just like was sad for them I laugh now because that (laughs) the story's funny but I was really sad for them like man all they're eating is rice and beans and cereal for breakfast (laughs) excuse me bless you thank you yeah no, I like I feel you on that because my mom cooked all of our meals as well, and we would have variety, and she made sure that we ate. And it's so funny because she's still like 
my mama doesn't cook now with just her and my pops there. But when when my daughter's there, my, my mom cooks like my daughter is 14. <laughs> like she's one, she doesn't need all this food. But she always comes back home super thick because my mama be like, it's time to eat. It's been two hours. She's hungry. And I'm like, no, <laughs> she's fine. <laughs> she eats three meals a day. No, she needs five or six. Like my mama be like, my mom likes to feed the kids. She likes chunky kids. And so like, even when my nieces and nephews used to go down there for the summer, they'd come down and be one size. And when they go home, they'd be super dark because my mama had them outside all day and they'd be super chunky. So you get chunky black kids when you get, when they go back home, <laughs> then they got to work it off through the school year. <laughs> Hopefully they didn't get teased for being- They didn't. Cause they weren't like, they weren't like obese, but like my mama put some meat on their bones cause she would, she would feed them meals all day where they, you know, when you're at home, you probably don't get things like that with the modern family. I know she don't get that shit here. She love her granny because she like, granny feeds me. Okay. So <laughs> don't mind huh? if I do. Right. I don't eat too. You <laughs> <laughs> should. That's hilarious. All right. That wraps up this week's ism. All right, so this week's rambling. So we're going to be talking about or discussing two major happenings related or connected to Howard University. Um, so I'm pretty sure at this point we all know what's going on. We've all heard it. Um, Felicia tweeted and Nicole flexed. So we're going to talk about Felicia, Rash- Felicia, excuse me, Felicia Rashad's tweet and Nicole Hannah Jones' decision um, to join Howard from UNCC. So, um, do you want to give a background for those mm-hmm. of us? Okay. So the first thing um, is Howard's stance on Felicia Rashad's tweet. So, I'm going to read part of her tweet, and it's related to Bill Cosby being released from prison. Um, I want to say on a technicality. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right thing to say, but I'll say it, whatever. Um, and we all know Bill Cosby was quote unquote convicted of, you know, raping some white people, white women from back in, there were a majority of women, excuse me, from back in the day. And he, like three years ago, I think they convicted him of those crimes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the exact crimes, but I'm not getting to that because that's not what we're talking about today. Um, so Felicia tweeted when, when the news broke, she said, finally, a terrible wrong is being righted. Um, a miscarriage of justice is corrected. And what happened, you know, Cosby's prosecutors promised him that if he did X, Y, Z, he, you know, he couldn't, it couldn't be used against him. Mm-hmm. Those lying bastards, they used it against him and that caused him to be um, convicted. So her tweet was saying a miscarriage of justice is corrected. Um, so she came out saying that people had a fit. They're falling out in the streets. Like, oh my gosh, she's so insensitive to um, um, sexual abuse victims. So, um, and you know, when we get on the internet, people just be acting a fool about everything. They just, mm-hmm. they want to complain and, and, and just not interpret things correctly. Just have something to talk about, in my opinion. So there was a firestorm. So she came back to follow up her tweet that in my opinion was very clear. But um, for those who didn't understand, I fully support survivors of sexual assault coming forward. My post was in no way intended to be insensitive to 
their truth. Personally, I know from friends and family that such abuse is life, has lifelong residual effects. Um, my heart fe felt wish is for healing. So Howard decided to come and, um, mm, how do you say, distance themselves? Mm -hmm. Now this is an academic institution. Um, I'll get into that. So here's Howard's, I guess, subsequent tweet. These darn tweets. <sighs> says Howard, quote unquote, survivors of sexual assault will always be our priority. While Dean Rashad has acknowledged in her follow-up tweet that victims must be heard and believed, her initial tweet lacked sensitivity toward, towards survivors of sexual assault. Personal positions of university leadership do not reflect Howard University's policies. We will continue to advocate for survivors fully and support their right to be heard. Howard will stand, will stand with survivors and challenge systems that would deny them justice. We have full confidence that our, fac our faculty and school leadership will live up to this sacred commitment. So, end quote. That being said, I want to talk about, and my question is, what's the point of a place that champions free thinking if they're going to try to silence or stray away from it? Mm -hmm. And Alicia Rashad had an opinion. In my opinion, so here's how I took it. Cosby got out on a technicality. He shouldn't have been in because of that. What they, the prosecutors used against him was not, they should not have been used against him because that's the deal they made. Mm -hmm. So when she says a miscarriage of justice has been righted or something like that, like, well, that's facts. Mm -hmm. they, that's an actual factual statement that happened and she's supporting her friend. Okay, when I read that, I, I took that in no way of her saying, you know, anything disparaging against survivors of sexual assault. Mm -hmm. like to me they were separated I, I don't I don't so I don't even see Two separate issues yeah so why Howard came out I know why they did it because of pressure from the press society and this nonsense but I'm just like okay that's her opinion and how dare you say it was insensitive because in my opinion it wasn't insensitive she was stating facts and supporting her friend and had didn't say anything about these women right so I'm annoyed by it. So that's my other ism today. <laughs> People, but um, before I get into that, what is your th thoughts? What are your thoughts rather on that? Well, I mean, I, you can finish because I'm, I'm just going to piggyback off of what you said, really. Okay. So people, this whole culture of, I'm going to take what you said and make it, make it into something different, mm -hmm. even though none of those words were there. I'm going to tell you what you meant mm -hmm. by, by this tweet. And it's like, there was no other context for anybody to make that inference. So if there was something happening and she was talking here and there about, um, oh, I don't believe these women or mm -hmm. it, somewhere else, then, then yeah, somebody could probably make the argument that, okay, she's insensitive. But that was it. Like she came out of the blue, tweet, 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 tweet. And that was it. And people fell to pieces. And I thought it was actually ridiculous and stupid because it bothers me that I'm like, did you even read? One couple people probably read it. And what happened was some lame wrote about it. And that's how they started to frame the story. So I don't know if, if you know this, but you know how you can put out a news article in on these social media platforms. 
and you'll have this headline and they'll link the article to it, but nobody's going to read the article. Mm-hmm. They're going to go off of the headline and just making these really ridiculous claims and stating their opinion. And it just gets so ridiculous when people just like, oh, it's right here in front of you, read it. Now I want you to tell me what part of that is insensitive to these alleged victims, please point it out to me. Make it make sense. I'm done. Yeah, and I just, so I'm not one of like a diehard fan of anybody except for like Tony Braxton. Mm-hmm. I do really, really love Felicia Rashad. I, there are not many things that I've seen her in that I don't love her in because she's a talented actress. I don't usually follow people personally just because of people are people are human beings and I feel like you will destroy whatever character I have in my mind of you if I read everything that you put out online like you said like Twitter gives you like a hundred characters like you can't really put a full thought out and so a lot of stuff is left to interpretation when people tweet or put things online And I did a little bit of research and it was looking like back in 2015, she said um, something else that people were just like not, um, like in support of Bill. She was in, um, she was like rubbing people the wrong way with some of the things that she said or what have you. But even even with that, like you said, like they're trying to infer what she meant by her tweet when really it was plainly there. Like if he wasn't, um, if he wasn't incarcerated because of the sexual assault, if he, if he was incarcerated, you know, because of other evidence, then it, it makes sense what her statement was. Not once did I see that she was like, these people were lying. It's, it's good that, you know, the truth came out or whatever. Like, that's not, that I didn't, I didn't get that from her. I didn't see that. Um, but what's frustrating to me is her expression of support for her friend, whether I agree with, you know, her support of him or not, um, it's leading to people questioning, like, why is she at Howard? She needs to be removed. You know, this whole, like, cancel culture is coming into play, and I'm just like, she's allowed to feel how she feels. Like, we, I mean, there are lots of people who don't think OJ did it. I'm sure that, um, Oh my God, I forget his wife's name. I forget, I'm sure that his wife's family is like bullshit. Uh-huh. You know, but like everyone's entitled to their opinion. And you shouldn't be, you know, demonized for thinking or feeling a certain way. I mean, unless your thoughts are absent lead to the harm of somebody else, but you shouldn't be demonized for your opinion. And I'm just like, I just feel like this whole I just I hate social media for this reason. Uh-huh. Because there's, there's too much stake in 10 or 20 words that someone puts online where you don't have the rest of the context. And I, like, and so in this article I read on USA, um, USA Today, it says that in a 2015 interview, Rashad infamously defended Cosby against various assault accusations. Um, Forget these women, she said. What you're seeing is the destruction of a legacy. And I think it's orchestrated. I don't know why or who's doing it, but it's the legacy. Someone is determined to keep Bill Cosby off TV and it's worked. All his contracts have been canceled. Now, 
this is smack dab in the middle of the article when they're talking about her tweets. At no point does it give you the rest of the interview to say what she was referring to with this. So like they're taking pieces of journalism and stacking them together to make it look like she's this bad guy. And I'm like, okay, what what was the rest of the conversation? What 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 was asked of her for right. to get this response? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It like and and I can I can see it because like I used to be a journalist, so I understand the tactics to try to make your story plausible. You know, we do it in research, we do it, you know, all, all the time. And I'm just like, I don't get this from her. I don't get this woman bashing from her. I, that doesn't feel like that's her MO. Okay. So, um, I mean, she, I, 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 like I said, I've never met the lady. I don't know who she is from a can of paint, but it, that just doesn't feel like her. And so I'm just like, they're, they're, taint, they're trying to taint her and make her out to be this bully when all she's really doing is vo- birthing, voicing her opinion and supporting her friend. Two things which, ha- which should not have led to this monumental of a response from the public, but because of who she is and because of who he is, everybody feels like they, they should have an opinion. And I, I think it's bullshit. I think it's bullshit. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's right. And I don't think that Howard should have any, um, I don't think they should have a, a retort for her because it's not, a, it's not a Howard thing. She's a dean at Howard, but everything that she does and says does not reflect on Howard unless she's out saying these things under her Howard handle or she's wearing Howard paraphernalia when she's doing these interviews, then nobody else should have anything to say. That's that's just my opinion. I'm not a higher up. I don't have all the education credentials. So, I mean, they're probably like, who the fuck are you supposed to be? But that's just my opinion. 100% agreed. It's like people nowadays can't have an opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we're all human and I might work for an organization, but guess what? I still exist outside of this organization. Right. Um, and this keeps bringing back to mind for me and I can only speak for this country, like, you know, America used to boast about being the best at everything, but if you look at, you know, if you look at things, Americans are lagging behind in just a lot of things compared to the rest of the world. And I'm like, because these stupid idiots who get the forefront, unfortunately, are doing things like this, mm-hmm. They're making something out of nothing. And it shows that people, certain people, and unfortunately, they look at it as the whole country. Because when you read other things about us, it's like Americans, not some Americans, not these Americans, but Americans in general. Um, They don't know how to think critically. And I'm saying, I'm only talking about this subset for this particular situation, but it can apply to other ones. It's just an example of, we don't think for ourselves. We will take what somebody told us and we're going to run with it. Information is right there. We, We could look for it ourselves and be like, you know what, let me read this and see what they're talking about nope I'm just gonna go off of this sensational headline and leave it at that and when it turns out to be false there's not like oh my bad it's like well we'll move on to something else now mm-hmm. just want to like shake them and because as a result of this mm-hmm. fired I'm like fired for, for having an opinion for being a human she did mm-hmm. nothing wrong she supported her friend she stated a fact that if you clean your ears out, you will have heard that story too. 
this wasn't the justice system. It, it didn't work. They 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 effed up. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> I mean, how can you get around it? Like, oh yeah, they did f up, but but still, she shouldn't have said it. I'm, I can't. And yeah, it makes me sound sad. These people, people, we're we're not allowed to have opinions because those opinions might offend somebody else. And how dare you say or think or feel something? that is offensive to another person. That, oh my God, my husband and I were just talking about this because we were watching something and I just looked down at my daughter and I was like, I am so sorry that this is the world that you have to grow up in where you can't say or think something without the entire world questioning who you are, where you come from, what kind of person you are, what you ate for breakfast, like nothing's, nothing's fake, nothing's safe, nothing's sacred. Everyone's under scrutiny all the time, and it sucks, and it's stupid, and I hate it. I hate it here. <laughs> right. I was reading, um, or I read rather, like they were saying that she betrayed women. Oh. <laughs> I don't feel betrayed by you, Felicia. I personally am a woman and don't feel betrayed. So I don't either. So I mean, it's 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 beyond ludicrous, if you ask me. So. It's unfortunate. And people were saying, you know, I wouldn't feel safe if she was the dean there. Oh my God. Like, like, did she do something that we don't know about? Was she like in charge of something or had power and there was a sexual assault situation and she was like, mm, nah, I'm good. You deal with it. Did that happen? Cause no. I missed it if it did, because that's the only way that's going to make sense for someone to Makes sense to me because they feel how they feel and that's their business. You wouldn't feel safe, really? Oh, and she betrayed all women. Oh, okay. People are dumb. Like I, just, I get so frustrated. I, I hate, I hate that people have this much power and this much influence based off of opinions, like. What happened? What happened to like? I just, it's so scary, Stacey. Like the type of world that we live in, where like you can't even say anything without like your livelihood being questioned. Like we were watching. Um, this is kind of off topic, but not really. I'm just going into like censorship. Um, we were watching a comedy from like like the early 2000s. I want to say we were watching Kings of Comedy. Okay, I think, yes, I think my husband was introducing me to Kings of Comedy. No, I've never seen it. Whatever, shut up. Anyway, um, he, he was introducing it to me and there were so many like gay jokes and like black jokes and like white, like just inappropriate, like what one would deem inappropriate jokes. And I was like cracking up and I'm like, mm, this could not come out today. Like nobody would buy this special because it's just so like, it's a, it's a hot topic. And I'm like, but it shouldn't be because they were, what happened to artistic freedom? What happened to being able to, you know, say things without it being taken like a, a step further? Like when I listen to it, I don't, I don't hear like people trying to rally other people up to go hurt somebody else. I just hear somebody being stupid. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so like, 
that bothered me so much that it's like if the comedy is not quote unquote um, woke then it, there's no room for it. and I'm just like after a while they're just going to have to get rid of comedy because things aren't going to be funny because like if, if you can't laugh at yourself who can you laugh at <laughs> why are you laughing because comedy comedy I was thinking about something comedy related but um you're right I mean, like, that's part of comedy is because it's inappropriate. Like, it's funny because, I, like, seriously, like, I remember, like, think about it. Like, you teach your kids, like, okay, when you, you pass gas, you say, excuse me. Like, what's one of the first things that kids think are funny? Flatulence. Why? Because it's inappropriate. They're like, <laughs> what's funny about that? I was told not to do this out loud, and I chose to do it anyway. That's what's funny is because I'm making a mockery of something that people think is inappropriate. And then it just goes from there. But then when you start to, sense, when you shame people, oh my God, Joshua, you passed gas. So it's like, oh, well shit, like, don't, we don't all do this sometimes. No, like, <laughs> weirdo. Like, <laughs> you have to sit with yourself in kindergarten now because how dare you? Like, it's just like, I'm over the world. I'm over it, I'm leaving getting my things the people it's the people my daughter said bye i don't know if y'all heard her <laughs> i didn't hear mommy <laughs> got time for this either um i think it's a fine line sometimes because we all have our own opinions and some of them or beliefs and some of them are really strongly held right and like if you take muslims and Muhammad like they don't play that you can't disrespect is it Muhammad um like their prophet they will have a fit they will be calling for you to be burned at a stake um and not everybody I'm just saying generally that's the perception mm -hmm. and whereas unfortunately people make a mockery or joke about Jesus often. And then the Christian community is just like silent crickets. Mm. So it's like, it's a fine line because people, they hold their beliefs so strongly and you you cannot cross that line, even if it is a joke. So mm. it has me thinking now, well, where's the line? And I think that's a personal thing. Like you have your own personal feelings. So I stopped, for example, I stopped watching this very, very popular um, program because they had a skit on Jesus that was so disrespectful. <laughs> like, are you freaking? I don't think it's the one you're thinking about. Not with the women. Okay, so I was like, I was like, and I didn't think it was that bad. It's it's another one. Um, okay. I told you I wasn't watching that one because I, I just. Yeah. Um, it's another one. I'm very, I mean, popular around the world, and I'm like, okay. I can't even. I can't even support y'all anymore because that was disrespectful. And, and for me, that was a line you crossed. And I, why would you do that? It wasn't funny. It, I thought it was just distasteful and trash. Mm. And they were laughing and having a good time and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I, I take it serious. So, but I'm not going to be out here in these streets like boy telling the world to stop looking at them and, you know, stop watching them or, because like, I don't... Maybe I should. I don't know. Like, but that's not my ministry. I don't have to. I don't care 
to do that and right. make a deal out of it. It's like, okay, y'all dumb. Like you say, y'all stupid. And you'll, you'll answer for what you got to answer to it when it's all said and done. But it's nothing to start a, a tweet storm about. <laughs> and I sometimes, if I ever do anything that's like egregious and they're dragging me on social media, I could sit back and laugh because I'm not on social media. <laughs> and somebody might come and tell me, oh my gosh, they're doing this. Like, oh, hope they have fun. It's not bothering me one bit. You can't come see it. Somebody. I, don't, I don't know what they're talking about. So yeah, I'm, this is silly. So anybody <laughs> listening, like take a step back and like use your brain mm. and read it for yourself mm-hmm. and try to get everything out of your head that has been presented to you that may be biased. It may not be, but take a look at it and say like, wait a minute, hmm. And come to your own conclusion with you having looked at the evidence. And then I think we would be a lot better off if people would just think for themselves. Mm-hmm. I agree, friend. <sighs> okay. That's then so Howard, I Howard, you you did wrong for that. In my opinion, sit down somewhere. But on a good note that I think is um Nicole Hannah-Jones, you're familiar with her, right? Mm-hmm. So we all know, I don't want to say we all know who Nicole Hannah-Jones is. She was the, what is it? This What was the project? What was the say. project she was on? Yeah, she she um had that whole Netflix thing. 1619 project, 1912 project. Oh. You know what I'm talking about? It, it's, it's, it's the 1619 project, yes. Of course, right now it would go out of my mind. So that's her baby. That's her thing. And she, you know, taught at UNC, University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, Tar Heels. And she was up for tenure. Mm-hmm. And she's, that's not all she's done. She's done, she's a journalist. And that's her, like, she. She's a 2020 Pulitzer Prize uh, winner. Thank you. She has credentials. She got stuff to back up her work, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And so she was up for tenure at UNCC and one of the articles I read and, you know, I obviously I'm not spending time to track this man down to confirm, but one of the uh, board of trustees was like, or some political person rather told them like, listen, if you grant her tenure, this is not going to be a good look politically because of this whole 1619 project and her beliefs about mm-hmm. I want to tell people the truth and you know these white folks don't want the truth out they want to mm-hmm. say slavery was a choice and they have fun doing it um so they were like you know and you know money talks so in my opinion that because of that fear like oh my gosh this is somebody we need to keep on our side because they're pumping money in mm-hmm. um, our donors even if they say they're not I don't believe it um we need to appease them. So her tenure was denied. So I used to work in higher ed and like similar tenure, you go through all this, the, the process. And then at that particular institution, it goes up to the board of governors to make the final decision. So even after the professors, your peers have said, yeah, this is this person deserves tenure. Like we're all unanimous. It could go to that last step and be like, nah, we're not gonna do it. And in this case, I. 
100% believe it was politically motivated. So all this time it's going on and on back and forth. They offered her a position untenured and be like, yeah, we'll review it, you know, later to see. We'll re-review your case later. Like, er? so, and she's been quiet this whole time, which I think is so dope. She mm-hmm. has been, um, and she's a journalist, like, and she hasn't even came out saying anything because the truth will come out and it will speak for itself. Um, she finally did our, what do you call it, an interview with Gail King, but that was after everything was said and done. So UNCC finally came back after getting per- pressure from the community um, everywhere. Like, y'all, you need to grant her tenure. What the heck? It's like, they were like, okay, we'll give you these scraps. That's how I looked at it. Okay, fine. You can have tenure since everybody's fighting for you. And what I think is beautiful, <laughs> Howard, in the meantime, a lot of other places, you know, I'm going to say slid in her DMs was like, yo, we would love to have you here at our institution because if they didn't, like there's something wrong with them, that's the perfect time. And Howard was one of those places that says, yeah, we would love to offer you, you know, tenure here. And after UNCC was like, okay, fine, we'll give you tenure as if they were doing her a favor. Um, she was like, mm, one second thought, I, I won't take that. Your, your lame, weak offer of tenure have decided to go where? <laughs> to Howard. <laughs> I thought that was so beautiful. And my question about that is, is it time to flex like Nicole? and support only HBCUs, like our people only support HBCUs. So what are your thoughts on the situation and that question? Um, uh-uh. I don't care. <laughs> I am not a person in higher ed. You're what? A, I said, I am not a person in higher ed. I have been a student all my life. <laughs> I've been to PWIs and HBCUs. As a student, I can see the benefit in attending an HBCU. And I also see the benefit in attending a PWI. As a parent who has been a student, I will strongly encourage my, my children to have the HBCU experience if they choose to go to college over a PWI experience. Howsoever. I can't say it's time to turn our backs on PWIs because they play a role. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, had I not had the opportunity to go to the PWI that I went to, I don't think I would have had the same um, career opportunities that I did. Not to say that, not to say that I wouldn't have been able to make strides, but I, I think it would have taken a little bit longer. I would have had to find uh, different ways to maneuver, if you will. So PWIs play a role, especially for the networking thing. It it is by itself. Um, But I, I, as a Black professional, as a Black student, I do value uh, HBCU experience. So, and I value having educated, qualified people of color in those roles, like, um, you know, Nicole Hannah-Jones, Felicia Rashad, 
Um, I had an amazing African-American literature um, instructor whose name escapes me at this moment. I was literally just talking about him yesterday. Robert. Oh my God, look. Oh, I'm so sorry. I forget his name. Shit. I forgot his name. Like I just drew a blank. But um, my point is I value having, you know, educated Black professors who I can see myself in when I'm going to the, to the institution. So I don't know. That's, that's a hard question. Because like also when I was at HBCUs, what I didn't like about them was like the level of disorganization and the lack of funding. So like, like, but I got to say, I could only speak from the student perspective because I've never been on the other side. But as a student, like I hated that it took for fucking ever to get my refund check. When I was at a PWI, the refund check hit like within the week. When they said it was going to. <laughs> yeah. When you had a, when you had an HBCU, like I ca- I remember continuously going to financial aid, like, is it here yet? Is it here yet? Is it here yet? And then what this at the PWIs, if the refund check was being held up, they had resources in place to give you funding in the meantime until you got your refund check. Like you could take out what they call an emergency loan. And like the school could estimate how much you were going to get back. So you can take out an emergency loan, like up to half of what you were going to get back so that you can get your books, get your place to stay, you know, get your food, whatever. In the meantime, before your money came in, and when your money came in, you paid the loan back. They didn't have shit like that at the HBCU. So you just be there broke and you be in class for three weeks with no books because you can't afford your books because your refund check ain't came in yet. The library won't rent the books to you. And so you get an F on assignments because you ain't got your shit together. Like, don't get me wrong. Right, an F as in Frank? Yeah. Okay, because it's like S and now that's You're getting, like you're not, you're getting zeros on your assignments because you're not doing nothing. And they be like, did you do the reading? I don't have shit to read. Like I can't. The library only has five copies of the book and all 26 of us need the book. So <laughs> we all in there trying to share the damn, share the damn book. We can't even afford to make copies because we ain't got no money from the damn financial aid people yet. Like, so I went to HBCU for two years and then I went to PWI and I felt like it was like shopping at Goodwill all your life and then finally being able to walk into Neiman's. And I was like, oh shit, they have different sizes. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Like it was, it was very different. And but I but I also miss you miss the culture, you miss the support. So um, I'm the wrong person to ask. I hate don't don't let me make a decision. I want to make a decision. Well, I don't think you're the wrong person to ask. It's just your opinion. So, but I can I can understand that uh, <laughs> with the disorganization. I, I almost went to Howard, like. The day before it was time for us to leave and move in, a PWI called. <laughs> and they were like, I was on a wait list for a room and that was my second choice. UNCC was actually my first choice. Mm. And then my second choice called and was like, we have room for you. <laughs> oh gosh, thank you. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Because the experience I had with Howard, it was so poor. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, why would I want to go there? It was so such a bad experience with their their lack of organization. It was so mind-boggling. And me, a high school student at the time, I was like, what, is, what are they doing? And my mm-hmm. cousin went there. I think she had, 
she has two of her degrees from there. She was like, yeah, they're ridiculously unorganized, but it's a great place to be. It's a great school. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'll take your word for it. And I'm pretty sure it is. I wanted to do one of my grad programs at an HBCU just to get that experience. Same. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's just unfortunate, the level of this organization. And it's, you hear the same thing about all of them, all the ones I've heard of. Um, and it's like, begs the question, well, does that prove that they need the support? They don't have the resources. Um, and one of these very famous schools a few years back, it was uncovered that the administration was stealing from the students. They were stealing oh. the um, so maybe that's why some of them don't get their refund checks. Um, and to me, it was like, duh, like I knew that you had to do, I know you had to do an investigation and prove it and everything, but you already knew pretty clear to me what was happening. I didn't get your, your, your housing deposit. I sent it, What you mean you didn't get it. Cause somebody it went in somebody's pocket. That's why you did. It's not on record. Um, but I digress. So I mean, to me, that's like, maybe they do need our support, but I agree hundred percent that coming out of high school, I did not want to go to an HBCU. I didn't because I didn't want to be around all black people all the time. That mm. was the thing. I wanted to be around diverse groups of people um, and learn different, like I just, in my head at that time, mm-hmm. I didn't think an HBCU could give me what I wanted in that regard. Right. That, that was my... Um, that's just what I felt at that time. Um, so I did go to a PWI and <laughs> I heard stories <laughs> about these HBCUs. Our school was right in the center of two HBCUs on both sides. Um, and just the stories, like, yeah. yeah, it's rough. And they didn't get, um, they didn't have um, their dining halls. It was only one meal. Yeah, it wasn't unlimited. I was like, what is this? Like one meal, it's not even seasoned. Like I, like I went over to campus expecting like, oh, we about to eat and they put some some popcorn shrimp and a couple pieces of broccoli on a plate i was like what the frick is this that's hilarious and what more and they were like no you can't get more you got to pay for it i was like this is a bull take me back to my, <laughs> my trash but at the time that's just where my head was at but i get take it. me to my palace peasants right <laughs> <laughs> Y'all pay for this? Golly. But that maybe that's why they need the support. They don't have the right resources and the right group of decent well, people don't people don't give back to HBCUs. So well, alumni doesn't give back to HBCUs where they do the PWIs. Really wild to me. It's really wild. They but to each his or her own. But I don't think we should stop only support HBCUs. I think we should support, you know, support. Right. Places that are doing the right thing. Like, I'm going to tell you the truth. And that's that. Um, so I want to circle back to Nicole um, because my mind went blank. I want to say her credentials. She's a MacArthur genius. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, she won that Pulitzer um, Prize for, you know, part of that 1619 project. Mm-hmm. She won a Peabody, um, some George Polk Awards, the National Magazine Awards. Um, this lady is legit. This woman is legit. So she has all the credentials to back her up. Had it not, in my opinion, and this is what the 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 consensus is, is that 1619 Project is what people are like, oh, shoot, we're going to tell the truth. 
mm-hmm. and we're gonna, people are gonna really see what it what it was really about and what we are really about and right. she was nine tenure initially for that and she was like the president and I think she said the chancellor never reached out to her and her mm. during this time in her interview with Robin Roberts so she let only a certain people know about her decision and Robin was like well did you let the president and the chancellor know whatever or something she said and she was like well they didn't reach out to me during this whole time so I didn't think it was necessary I know that's real like yes Nicole that's what I'm talking about so I I, I think that was so powerful what she did like mm-hmm. I don't want your your sympathy tenure your whatever it's called no consolation prize right my worth so I will go somewhere where I'm respected and they see and they value my worth mm-hmm. my work and what I bring to the table so Howard this past few weeks are on both ends of the spectrum yeah I, I will say that I stand for her she is a beautiful light-skinned woman with natural hair and it is a beautiful um, shade of red and I stand Women in academia who I've worked with. It makes me happy. Women who what? I'm sorry. Women in academia like, who are boisterous, like women who don't feel like they have to like perm their hair and wear it like straight or wear like and not put color in their hair. I love, like, I had a professor who had, had a, um, not a mohawk, she had it was shaved on the sides and she just had the hair on top. And I was like, Absolutely. And you should be able to have all your credentials and look like this because you're the shit and nobody should say anything to you. And I, I stand for women like that. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they be trying to not give us jobs because we have color in our hair and stuff. But I'm like, you, she comes with all of this and she got the red hair. I'm here for it. While they're denying the job, you'll see Becky walk by with some purple locks. Come on now. Ooh. Lord Jesus. Oh my gosh, it's so innovative. I love what you did with your hair. Don't even get me started. Uh-huh. Where'd you get it, Bex? But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that wraps up our ramblings for this week. All right. Um, announcement. We are getting closer to August 28th weekend where we'll be taking a couple of weeks off. So we will keep y'all posted on those updates as they transpire. Um, but I guess we're gonna have to find something to do, like something to give them. Think about it. We'll think about it. We'll pray on it. We'll let you know. Um, all right. Survival skills one zero one. Mine is everyone needs someone to talk to. Get yourself a therapist if you need one. And you're worth more than you're settling for. And with that, govern yourselves accordingly. Thank you for listening to us at our table. Present and black. Peace.